guests and callers of this show are not necessarily those of this station, its parent company, TeleSouth Media, its staff, management, or advertisers. Content of this broadcast cannot be duplicated or used in any way without the express written consent of TeleSouth Media Incorporated. Now, join us for Advisors Roundtable with your hosts, certified financial planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus. It's professional advice for your life. We thank you for hanging in there with us at the Advisors Roundtable. Certified financial planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus with you here on Super Talk Radio. We appreciate you, as I said, hanging in with us and being consistent as listeners. And we always say thank you to our sponsors. Couldn't do it without you. So, Bubba, when you were a kid growing up, did you and your family, grandparents, parents, uh, siblings, did you guys play like board games? Did you did you put together puzzles? Did you, did you have a favorite? Favorite? Was it Monopoly over Trouble? Did you do any of that? Yeah, so I, I remember playing Monopoly uh, pretty regularly and uh, and card games. Okay. Uh, I remember a lot of Solitaire for some reason, right? Okay. But it right. seems like people were around when you were playing, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, uh, Gin Rummy was another uh, one that we played a lot. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, good memories from that stuff? Good, yeah, really good memories, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, teach you to handle your uh, competitive side mm-hmm. and, and maybe yeah. sometimes your yeah. temper right. and all yeah. that sort of stuff. It's yeah. not a bad deal. And see how other people are just ruthless when it comes to the game of Monopoly. Yeah. Even your blood yeah. king. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah, you landed there. I got a hotel. Pay up, sucker. <laughs> right now. You know? Right now. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It took me, I don't or, know. Or, you know, like we would kind of skew from the rules sometimes. Mm. Well, you can't pay that, but you've got this property over here. You know, I'll take that one and lose. Oh, oh, yeah, I know yeah. it's worth twice as yeah. much, but uh-huh. you ain't got the cash right now. That's <laughs> life, boy. Uh-huh. And so uh, it took me a little while related to Monopoly to figure out the whole secret to the whole game. And that is every time you go around and you go past go, you just make sure you didn't spend any more money than it took to go around Mm -hmm. than you took in to go around that time. So if you collected a little rents and Mm -hmm. maybe you'd gotten a hundred dollars because you landed on the treasure chest or Mm -hmm. whatever, just make sure you don't overspend. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it's, it's hard to tell a seven year old. Yeah. I'll tell you a game that I really enjoyed growing up as well was a game called risk. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's all about world domination Mm -hmm. and having armies and all that kind of stuff that, Mm -hmm. that take over different parts of the map and yep. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. great to to think about that, and it's great to to do it the first time with a child. Mm-hmm. Take a six year old and sit down with them, and you know, p- play one of those mm-hmm. games, and 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 see their competitiveness, yep. and and see how their brain works, and and see them strategize. It's it's a fun mm-hmm. part of of maturation, and I, I love it. So today, we're gonna play a game. All right, and it's called Why Would You Ever. So I'm going to throw out a few things that I think most Americans think it's their birthright or it's, it's, it's expected of them as, as an adult. And I'm going to ask you, why in the world would you ever? So I'm going to start on the negative, negative side of just about everything. Okay. All right. And then you just tell me, why would you ever? And we're going to start this one with, why would you ever own Get real married? estate? 
huh? <laughs> I'm just get like, married. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. We're gonna stay yeah. on the financial side yeah. here. I don't okay. want to get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> My wife may be listening. Yeah. So, why would you ever buy real estate? Why would you ever own real? Estate? So, I'm going to tell you the negatives to this. Okay. Okay. Um, real estate sometimes is a complicated transaction and sometimes it involves laws and mm -hmm. sometimes it involves min mineral rights. And a lot of times, most of the time it, you're going to have a lawyer involved. And mm -hmm. so there's expense there. You're also going to have closing costs and maybe mm -hmm. a bank involved and yeah. in, in it. Let's say it's a, your own personal residence. You're going to have to pay taxes. You're going to have to pay insurance. You're going to have to pay upkeep. You don't necessarily know whether you got a good deal or not. Yeah. You know, you're just kind of going with what the the going rate per acre or square foot is. Um, it's hard really to know, even if you hire a professional inspector to look at a home, mm -hmm. if the thing is in really, really good shape. Um, and, you know, real estate, man, ties your money up. It does. You know, just think, $100,000 mm -hmm. is sitting over there in brick and mortar mm -hmm. and dirt, yeah. and you ain't got your hands on $100,000. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it be nice to have your hands on $100,000? Certainly it would. So there are all those negatives. Mm -hmm. Why in the world would you ever own real estate? And we'll start with your personal residence. Why would you buy a house? After I just threw all that at you. All right, so just the, the basic practicality of it, right? Mm-hmm. Where are you going to live? Okay. All right. So number one, you've got to live somewhere, right. or most people do, mm -hmm. right? Some mm -hmm. of them live under a bridge, but that's <laughs> that's a very small minority. So you basically are comparing renting, renting as opposed to owning versus owning, okay. right? Right. So I think in some instances, it makes a lot of sense for individuals to rent. Mm -hmm. I think in many instances, it makes uh, a lot of sense for people to own. Okay. All right. So you've got to live somewhere, mm -hmm. number one. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think that's yeah. one of yeah. one of the positive one sides. Of the points, right? right. One of the points. Right. 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 And if you're going to live somewhere, mm -hmm. why not build equity oh. or value in something that you are living in and using? Right. All right. So real estate uh, in my opinion, I think is a very good uh, store of value. Okay. All right. Yeah, you can't necessarily access it very easily. You can't take money out of it and that sort of thing. It's not $100,000 sitting in a pile somewhere. Mm-hmm. But it is a good store of value, and okay. generally speaking, you're going to get a little bit of inflation protection on that over now, a period of time. Mean? Meaning that um, over time, the the value of that real estate will generally increase uh, to the same rate or tune of what inflation generally does. Not always, okay. right? Right, right. But just for instance, you know, let's say that you put $100,000 into a house 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. You're probably going to be able to sell that house for $200,000 today. At least. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I would think. Yeah. So it has increased in value. It has increased in value or more, more along the lines of kept pace of what today's dollars are doing versus what they would have been doing 20 years ago. Okay, fair point. So a, a store of value, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. I think for some individuals as well, uh, and many individuals, it's one of the largest assets that they own. Because they made a, a, a monthly commitment. They, they had that a, mortgage payment, yep. and they were forced to make that payment and every month. paid it, get it for 15, 20, 30 years, whatever, and, and right. now they own it. Right. Right? Uh -huh. um, so they've got a store of value in there, and it's one of the largest assets that they own. Okay. 
Have you had people ask you to run the comparison between rent and 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 purchasing a home, and if they invested the difference, and mm-hmm. you know, factoring out the maintenance and the insurance and the taxes? You've had people yeah. do. So we're going to go to break at the advisors roundtable and come back and continue to play this game. Why would you ever? And pick up with our discussion there. But why would you ever own real estate at the advisors roundtable? Thanks a lot for being with us on the advisors. Roundtable, Certified Financial Planners, Cooley and Labus with you on Super Talk Radio. So, but we're talking, playing this game. Why would you ever? Uh, talking about real estate, and we've gotten to the point that you're making this point that you got to live somewhere. You can build equity. You can have a store of value. You can uh, protect yourself against inflation. And you told me that you had done a comparison before, mm-hmm. r- related to all of my argument about. Why in the world would you? Yeah. You know, you, you, you're committing this big chunk of money. You got to do something mm-hmm. every month. You got to deal with lawyers. You got to have closing, maybe have to pay a real estate commission. Then you're going to have to pay up, keep an insurance and, and taxes and all. And woo. And you're telling me that you've run the math. Mm-hmm. And for some people, it makes sense for them not to own the real estate. It does. It does. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to overgeneralize here, but um, let's talk about an individual that it might make sense for. Yeah. Somebody who is in a transitional period uh, where they are uh, moving to an area, maybe they're out of school or out of college, right? Mm-hmm. They don't have a down payment yet. Okay. They don't know if they're even going to be in this place for another year. There's another thing that would have been on my side of the, the ledger in this argument yeah. is that uh, most of the time it requires a pretty good down payment. Right. And right. if you don't have 10, 15, 20 percent mm-hmm. of this hundred thousand dollars, I mean, how many people in Mississippi walking around with 15, 20,000? Not many. Okay. Yeah. So um, if I'm in transition, you know, if I, I know that the, mm-hmm. the employer sent me here and I'm going to be there two or three years. Right. So there is nothing wrong with renting. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, another aspect might be somebody in the military, mm-hmm. right? They get moved around a lot. Mm-hmm. Now, in some instances, it makes sense for them to buy and purchase a home. Other mm-hmm. instances, it makes for them, you know, sense for them to live on base. Right. Other instances, they may want to to rent. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, elderly individuals. All right. So here's another category of, of folks who probably owned houses in the past, mm-hmm. but uh, all the other ancillary things that you talked about, right? Mm-hmm. The maintenance, the upkeep, mm-hmm. you know, the yard work, mm-hmm. the the water heater goes out, mm-hmm. you know, all, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may get to a point where they say, you know what? I don't want to fool with it anymore. Right. I'd rather just pay a certain amount for rent. And if something goes wrong, I'm calling my landlord. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know? I can see the, the attraction of that. Yeah. And mathematically... Mm-hmm. It mathematically, may, it may make sense for them to do that. Right. And I've had people who are really into the math of it say, mm-hmm. okay, you know, I can rent for $600 a month and I can go buy a house of, of equal size or whatever and have to pay $800 mm-hmm. a month. Well, I'm going to pocket it or I'm going to pay the 600 and then the difference I'm going to invest in the market because, Bubba, I'm going to argue back with you about building yeah. equity. And at the end of 20 years here, I'm going the issue with that and the math can work. Yeah. But what's the issue with that? Well, uh, would you rather have $150,000 tied up in a house mm-hmm. or pay $750 in rent? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Either way, you're going to have power, electric, water, all those kind of yeah, things, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But renting, you're not going to owe the the homeowner's insurance. You're not going to owe the taxes on it. Granted, mm-hmm. it's kind of built into your house payment right. or your, your rental payment, right. if you will. And the people who say to us, I'm going to rent, and the difference between that and a house payment, I'm going to invest the mm-hmm. difference, will you? Will you? That's right. Huh? Yeah. Can I trust you to do it for 30 years? Mm-hmm. See, in your mortgage, it's a forced saving, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Right. It's kind of forcing you to build that equity. It's forcing you to keep up with an asset that's going to rise more than inflation. So why would you ever buy real estate? Well, yeah. Maybe we talked you into it. Mm-hmm. Maybe we talked you out of it. Right. Okay, here's another one. Why would you ever buy a CD? A CD. Yeah, why right. in the world would you ever buy a CD? I mean, look, first of all, they're only going to give me a certain amount of interest. It's well, pro- let's talk about first what CD stands for. Okay. All right. Certificate of Depreciation. <laughs> right? Now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the con side, right? Yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah. picking on CD product. Picking on the bank, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's bank. a certificate of deposit, that's, right? That's the correct So term, you deposit right? money uh, in this uh, instrument, mm-hmm. right? And you're mm-hmm. going to get an, uh, an interest payment All right. but on that. You tie up your money probably mm-hmm. for a period of time, 3, yeah. 6, 12, 19, whatever the number yeah. is. 60 months, yeah. whatever it is. And it's a kind of a contract. It is. Right? Mm-hmm. It's a, they give you a certificate when you hand them mm-hmm. the $20,000 or whatever. If you get out of that contract early, there's going to be a penalty. Yeah, which means you probably had to give your interest back right. that you earned during that period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time, it's not keeping up with inflation. Usually. Yeah. Um, and it keeps me from having the opportunity to do other mm-hmm. things with the money that might make me more. Right. Now, I say make. It mm-hmm. may, it might make me more. Mm-hmm. Um, are CDs guaranteed? They are guaranteed, okay. and they're insured. Okay. All right? All so, right. you know, you've got a guarantee or an insurance associated with it. Right. Uh, which, uh, I guess, for many, many investors and CD purchasers, mm-hmm. gives them some security. Uh, they feel secure about they it. They feel good about it, right? right? They know my money's in the bank in this CD or whatever CD I have purchased. Mm-hmm. And without a doubt, when this thing matures, I'm getting my money back. Plus my 4%. Plus your 4% or right. 1%, whatever it is. Right, right. Now, I said most of the time that mm-hmm. thing is not keeping up with inflation. Mm-hmm. What was I really saying here? You put a $100,000 in there, and they're going to give you 4% at mm-hmm. the end of the year. Yep. Let's say that this that certificate's good for a year. And at the end of the year, you're going to get 104, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. But I was able to buy a house with my $100,000 mm-hmm. last year. Yep. And now it's worth a hundred and four, but what if houses went up five or six percent? Yeah, the inflation rate. Right. I could have bought a house mm-hmm. last year, and now I can't because right. I've got a hundred and four, and a house costs a hundred and five or six. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've talked to you about the certificates of deposit and told you all the things that may or may not be on the side of purchasing one. So I go back to my question. Why would you ever buy a CD or or invest Mm -hmm. in a CD? So number one is safety, I think. And 
Uh, and I'm not against CDs at all. Mm-hmm. I think for many, many investors, CDs and cash-type instruments mm-hmm. make a lot of sense for a portion of your money. Okay. Call it your safety money, mm-hmm. you know, your safety net, mm-hmm. uh, emergency fund. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you're doing a uh, rolling one-month or three-month CDs. Okay. You know, something along those lines. Okay. And now with the way rates have increased over the last year, you're actually getting a lot better yield or interest on your CDs that you're purchasing. Okay. So for that reason, I'd say that it's a little bit um, uh, better or or more of an attractive uh, place to put your money. Okay. From a safety standpoint. Right. Now, with inflation still, like you said, kicking along at 6% right now, somewhere in that range, and you're only getting 4 maybe 4.5% on a CD, you're still falling behind. And that's where that joke came in about a certificate of depreciation, right? Because your principal may be depreciating. It might. Right. Here's another point that I haven't talked to you about, mm-hmm. and people hate it when I bring this up. Taxes. Taxes. All right, so do I owe tax, in my example, Mm $100,000 getting 4%. Do I owe tax on the 4%? You certainly do. All right, so I don't have really net Mm -hmm. $104,000 at the end of a year. That's right. Right? You owe some tax on that. And depending on your tax bracket, after tax, Mm -hmm. or your after tax yield, Mm -hmm. maybe, uh, you know, $103,000. $1,500. I'm, and I'm making up numbers here, right? Because right? I don't know everybody's tax right. bracket. But you probably... But you need to be careful of your tax equivalent yield. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Um, these things can be fairly complicated, and they can be fairly competitive. Why do we make it complicated, though? It's, <laughs> it's a CD, Greg, you know? A certificate of deposit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, you're right. They do have nuances associated with them. And are they tax equivalent yield? Yes, they are very competitive. Which means what? Which means that, um, you know, especially in places where there are a number of banks, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That that's good for the consumer. All right. Because uh, as a competitive product, Mm -hmm. they're always, or the banks in this instance, are always trying to one up the other bank. Ah. So, you know, bank number one may be paying 4%. Well, mm-hmm. bank number two may be paying 4.2%. Mm-hmm. And that 0.2% is enough for many people to move their money from one bank to another bank. Right. So you know? if your town, your community mm-hmm. has three, four, five banks, yep. you probably are going to get different quotes. Sure. If you had $100,000 mm-hmm. and you call them and say, hey, you know, what's a one-year CD? Yeah. You're probably now. Are those the only places I can buy CDs? Uh, no. So, in fact, there are things called brokered CDs. Okay. All right. So, and, and again, uh, just We're like, making this complicated. Yeah, right? just like your local bank would offer CDs, there are banks all throughout the country who offer CDs. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, why should I be limited uh, to purchasing a, a CD from you know Tupelo, Mississippi? Right. Mm-hmm. When I can go buy uh, buy one from Fargo, North Dakota. Or Bangor, Maine, or, you know... Even uh, if you live in Tupelo, Mississippi. Even if I live in Tupelo, Mississippi. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I can go out there, and with a brokered CD, I can scour the country, usually with searches, and find the best-paying CD that, that I can find on whatever term I want. And you do this search, making sure that the criteria mm-hmm. says they have to be insured, they have to yeah. be guaranteed, mm-hmm. FDIC, all that sort Absolutely. of stuff. Absolutely. 
Yeah. All right. So we really talked about CDs and made them complicated, didn't we? We haven't even talked about indexed CDs, right? <laughs> We're going to go to break yeah. and come back and continue this discussion of why would you ever at the Advisors Roundtable. All right, here at the Advisors Roundtable, Certified Financial Planners, Bubba Labus, and yours truly, Greg Cooley, with you, talking about why would you ever, why would you ever buy real estate? Why would you ever have a CD? And Bubba, right at the end of the conversation about CDs, you said something about linked CDs. An equity-linked CD. Equity-linked CD. So what are we talking about? All right, so uh, the way these products work is they're basically a zero-coupon CD. Okay. okay. Right. So what is a zero coupon CD? It Sounds like no interest. To no me. interest CD. Okay. Right. And mm-hmm. the underlying structure of these is that they, uh, the issuing company, whether it be, you know, a big bank or whoever's putting the investment company is putting these together, mm-hmm. will take 97% of your principal. Okay. Okay. So let's say that you're using 10,000 bucks. Mm-hmm. They will take probably $9,700 and put that into a regular type of CD that's going to mature at $10,000. Whenever they told you. Whenever this, the maturity is. Yeah, three years from now. Three what? years from now. Okay. And it's going to mature at, at $10,000. So you know that your your principal is safe if you you're hold it to maturity. Your, okay. You're going to get your money back. Okay. Well, what do they do with that other $300? Mm-hmm. Well, part of it goes to the banks and the offering company for their their paying you know a paying a fee, putting uh, putting this product together. Mm-hmm. The other portion of that goes to long term equity call options. So oh, again, boy. getting kind of fancy and in the weeds, right? But in essence, what they do is they buy an option to purchase. Uh, certain indexes at a certain time in the future. Now we're talking just stock market. Here. Stock market, okay. right? So okay. if that index does well, like the S and P five hundred, okay. let's say that it does well over the next three years, mm-hmm. well, you're going to participate to a degree mm-hmm. in that index. Okay, meaning that your yield on your CD could be, you know, six seven percent potentially, based on what the market. Does. Based on it could be zero. Or negative, or could could be negative. But you're not. Going you know to that lose, you're going to get your principal back. But I'm getting my ten thousand dollars because of the other thing they did with it. Correct. Okay. You could potentially get eleven thousand dollars back. You know that's a ten percent return over that two or three year. Because year there have been times when the market did yeah. that. It could be more, right? right. Uh, but that's the underlying structure on how those work. And if it were a three year period mm-hmm. when the market did poorly. Mm-hmm. I won't get that, right? Because I know I'm getting my ten thousand back because of what they Correct. did with that ninety seven hundred. Mm-hmm. All right. So who in the world? Why would you ever? Who is interested in something like that? Well, let's say that it's an investor who wants knows that they need probably stock market exposure, but don't want to take the risk associated with the stock market because they heard us talking about a regular CD uh-huh. not keeping up with inflation, right? And they're thinking, you know, the stock market can do better than mm-hmm. inflation sometimes. Sometimes. And so I'm willing to take that risk? Yeah, absolutely. So now suddenly we've brought risk into the conversation. Correct. The so other- what's the risk in a, in a product like that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, the risk is that you don't get any return. You're going to get your money back, right? but the risk is that you don't have any return at all. Right. The reward would be mm-hmm. that the, the market does really well, mm-hmm. and you get a higher than expected rate of return than what a general or regular CD would would give you. So very many people do these or even know about them? They're, uh, they are very widely traded and, and a pretty big business for many of the investment firms out there. Okay. Uh, but not many people know about them. 
and when you say people, we're talking about people on the street. Yeah, the average investor out there, most of them don't know that these types of products exist. Okay, and if you were mm-hmm. kind of intrigued by that, where could you get one? And ask your investment advisor. Okay. You know, ask your financial advisor. Okay. All right. So not all banks offer them. No, no. Uh, And and these are actually, uh, I I guess, classified. Like as a security or whatever? I think they are classified as a security. Okay. All right. All right. So you probably have to have a certain license or whatever to talk Mm -hmm. to people about them. All right. So we talked about why in the world would you ever own real estate? and Why would you Mm -hmm. ever do CDs? Mm -hmm. All right. Here's one. Why would you ever buy a stock? And now on the negative side over here, you've got no idea what it's going to do from one day to the mm-hmm. other. If you have any kind of anxiety as part of your personality, it can yeah. freak you out. Yeah. Do you know the majority of the time at the end of a trading day, the majority of the, or the, majority of the time, most of the time stocks are lower. Mm-hmm. They have more low days than they do up days. Now, up days, I'll grant you, sometimes are a whole lot better than some of those mm-hmm. lower days. But if I'm thinking, you know, I'm looking at 100 days here and maybe 55 or 60 of them are going to be bad days for me, why would I ever right. try to do something like that? And some of them are complicated. Some of them are international, mm-hmm. and some of them are going to cause me different kinds of tax considerations. And some of them, I don't even know what the businesses really right. do mm-hmm. that are part of the stocks. And... I, I don't like angst in my life. So yeah. why would you ever buy stocks? Well, so number one, I think you should should consider, should you even buy one to begin with? That's right. Why? You know? Uh, so the individuals that say, uh, and you know, you can go back through history and look at, at various, one that was probably near and dear to a number of folks here in Mississippi, WorldCom, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Big, uh, big telecommunications company that went belly up. So another reason I may not want to own mm-hmm. them is I could lose my money. You could lose your money. Correct. Like all of it. All of it. Yeah. So why would I ever Well, do so this? why would you ever do it? Mm-hmm. The reason why is because of the potential gain that you could get. Right? Mm-hmm. So historically speaking, owning stocks has been, um, from a rate of return perspective, mm-hmm. a higher rate of return than cash and bond instruments. Okay. okay. Than most other investments. Than most other investments. Okay. So for those individuals who are willing to invest their money and want a generally a higher rate of return historically, mm-hmm. then they invest in stocks. Okay. Other individuals uh, look at it and, you know, whether you've got a plumbing business or you've got a uh, you know a, a retail business, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you're in business for yourself, and you understand the the concept of being in business and trying to make a profit. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what these other risky. companies are doing, right? Right. You know, yeah. Microsoft, mm-hmm. Amazon, mm-hmm. Google. I mean, you name these: mm-hmm. uh, Procter and Gamble. Mm-hmm. You know, Johnson mm-hmm. and Johnson, mm-hmm. Caterpillar. These companies are out there trying to make money. Yeah, and you as an investor in those shares or those companies will share in the profits of those businesses. Right. All right. Some give me the profits in the form of like a quarterly dividend Correct. distribution. Uh huh. All right. And some don't give me any. Some of them give you the uh, the profit in the form of appreciation in the stock. Okay. So, uh, for instance, let's say that you buy a stock for $100 a share, mm-hmm. but they're a, an early-stage growth-oriented company that aren't really paying a dividend. Okay. Well, it's possible that that, that company or that stock 
based on future earnings that they have and future, maybe they're, they're coming out with the new widget, right? Mm-hmm. That's going to revolutionize whatever it's going to revolutionize. Mm-hmm. And people see that and they say, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. I think I'm going to buy into that company. Right. And you look at it a couple years later and you say, you know what? I bought it for a hundred bucks. Now it's worth 140 bucks. Uh-huh. I did pretty good on that trade. Okay. All right, and the reason it appreciated, mm-hmm. one of the reasons from a hundred to hundred and forty, yeah. was they didn't send all the profit out to us. Mm-hmm. They kept it and reinvested it in the business and paid off debt and did growth and opened right. new plants or new portions mm-hmm. uh, of of business somewhere. Yep, and they were a growth company, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So, is it right for everybody? No, it is not right for everybody. Just because your brother-in-law does mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily yeah. mean you need yeah. to. So how does Phil make a dis- determination whether he's the right kind of investor or saver to take this kind of volatility and risk into his so life? I, I think there's a differentiation between the word investor and saver that you need to talk about, mm-hmm. right? So in my opinion, in my mind, a saver is somebody that does not want to... to um, see any downturn in their money. They don't want their money to go down at all. Mm. Right. Mm. And they're very good at, at, at savings, mm. right? You know, they put a certain percentage of their paycheck in savings, et cetera, et cetera, on a regular basis. Okay. And they've got, you know, a wad of, or a store of cash at the bank or, you know, at their home in a safe or whatever they've got. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Investors are those that want to take a little bit of risk mm-hmm. with their money. Mm-hmm. So that risk can relate to reward, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. How much w- risk are you willing to take and how much reward are you looking for? And not everybody's personality is the same. Not everybody's personality. And that's okay, right? right, I, right. I, I know a number of investors who are very risk-averse and they don't want any risk associated with the stock market at all. Okay. In those instances, maybe one of these equity-linked CDs mm-hmm. might be appropriate. Mm-hmm. Maybe other annuity-type products. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, bond-type products. Mm-hmm. Now, bonds have their own... Uh, yeah, we're going to get to them yeah. in a minute. Okay. <laughs> um, so there there are many different pros and cons for every type of asset, I think, that you're going to own. Uh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And quite actually, as we get closer and closer to the end of this show, the, the point is that why would you ever is a decent question to ask of everything you do. Sure. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you were, you know, being facetious and funny at the beginning, but why would you ever get married? Right. Why would you ever yeah. have children? Mm-hmm. Why would you ever drive a car? Exactly. I mean, I can talk you out of driving a car right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know how many people died last night in car wrecks? Yeah. You know how much a car costs? Mm-hmm. You know how much it costs to insure a car? Yeah. You ever had a car repaired? Yeah. What about new tires? What about just driving down the road in Mississippi, how many potholes we have, <laughs> right? That's yeah. not comfortable yeah. either, is it? Mm-hmm. So we can, just about everything you did today, why did you brush your teeth? Why would you ever tie your shoes that way? Why would you ever buy shoes that have to be tied? Mm-hmm. I mean, you just, you could ask yourself, why yeah. would you ever all day long? Um, and the point is, maybe you shouldn't some things, but maybe you should if you know a little bit more about them and weren't right. so scared and only see the negative points. We're going to come back from the break and talk about bonds and annuities at the Advisors Roundtable. Thank you for being with us at the Advisors Roundtable. Certified financial planners Greg Cooley and your uh, other certified financial planner Bubba Labus with you. 
here on Super Talk Radio, and we're playing a game, uh, just having a discussion about why would you ever, why would you ever own real estate? Why would you ever have a CD? Why would you ever buy a stock? And we, we're to a couple of other uh, investment instruments that I want to talk about, Bubba. So why would you ever buy a bond? Bond ties up my money. A bond only gives me a certain interest rate, and I could be investing at other places and getting me uh, some more yield. I'm going to have to, in many cases, pay the tax on the investment. I'm going to have to worry about the underlying agency, you know, whether I invest in a mm-hmm. city or a county or the government or a, a big company. Um, bonds, man, some of them are 30 years in, yeah. in length. So why would I ever buy a bond? Well, and it, included in that, I think, is the volatility associated with bonds, right? Especially longer-term bonds. When you say volatility, you mean that I buy it for $10,000, but tomorrow it may be worth either more or less than that? That's right. And Most people don't realize that the bond market is about seven times larger than the stock market. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and these debt instruments because that's what they are. It's debt, right? A bond is debt. A bond is debt. So I buy a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars worth of the city of Oxford bonds. Yeah. In essence, what you're doing is you're loaning money to the city of Oxford. Okay. And the city of Oxford is taking that money mm-hmm. and reinvesting that in roads or bridges or mm-hmm. you know public works program, whatever they're doing with okay. it, right? All right. And the claims-paying ability of the the city of Oxford is what's guaranteeing the payment back of those bonds and the interest associated with those bonds. Mm-hmm. So if I've ever heard mm-hmm. in the, the news mm-hmm. that a certain city went bankrupt, yep. anybody who had ever done any bond work yep. or business with mm-hmm. them probably lost their money. Or a portion of their money. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. All right. So that, so let's let's do a real example, right? Okay. Let's say okay. that uh, that you bought a city of Oxford municipal bond mm-hmm. a year and a half ago. Okay. And it was a new issue bond, and okay. that bond was paying two and a half percent. Okay. Okay. And today you can issue a new bond for mm-hmm. the city of Oxford, doing in, in essence the same exact thing, mm-hmm. and that bond is paying four percent. Because prevailing interest rates have, have changed. Gone the Fed's up. gone up and everybody mm-hmm. yep. is competitive for money now. And I know mm-hmm. my CDs are yep. probably paying higher yep. and blah, blah, blah. In this case, let's say that it's a 20-year bond in both, both instances, mm-hmm. right? So you've got, uh, in essence, um, you know, that was a year ago. So you've got 19 years left on the first, on the first one and 20 years left on the second one. Okay. Okay. One of them's paying two and a half. The other one's paying four. Okay. What's more attractive to you, two and a half or four percent? Well, you know, I didn't have to really make great grades in math to be able to answer that. I like four better than two and a half. Yeah, especially when they're paying you, right? Mm-hmm. So for that instance, right, uh, if you've got something that's paying two and a half percent, the value, if you wanted to sell that early, you're still theoretically going to get your money back at the end of that 20 years. Okay. And you're going to get your two and a half percent interest along every year. Okay. Uh, ever along the way. Mm-hmm. But if you needed to get out of that bond or sold that bond early, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. then the value of that bond or what somebody else would pay you for that is much less than what they could get on the open market today buying the 4% bond. Ah, I got gotcha. you. And it goes both ways, right? 
let's say that you bought a 4% bond and then rates go down mm-hmm. to 2.5%. Mm-hmm. Your 4% bond is now the prettiest girl in the room. Absolutely. Okay. So right. you might be willing to pay more so that you can have more interest paid to you okay. for that bond. Okay. And that's called a premium. I Correct. pay a little extra mm-hmm. so I can get more consistent income. Right. All right. So why in the world would I get involved in all this complication and buy a bond and Mm -hmm. have to worry about taxes or it's a municipal bond? I don't have to worry about taxes or it's, you know, there's a Fed want taxes from me or the state want taxes and is it exempt? And how many times on this show have I said that owning investments is all about income or the growth of income? Uh, That's the the only reason anybody should ever own an investment. Okay. Right. It's for income now or income later. Okay. Whether you sell that investment later to produce income out of it or the income that's coming out of it is being produced by the investment. Right now. Right now. Okay. All right. So, so many investors, whether they be retirees or they be uh, you know young investors, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I think for uh, a portion of them need a portion of their assets in these type of instruments. All right. Another reason that many people look at bonds is asset diversification and portfolio management. What does that mean? So diversification comes into play where you don't want to own, a, uh, you know, the grandmother always said, don't put all your eggs in one basket, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Same instance here. You want to own a number of different things and you want to have a diversified mix or a big mix of different types of assets doing different things for you. So sometimes when the stock market is up, bonds are not doing that great, but I continue to hold them because I don't know what's Mm going to happen next year with the stock market. That's right. And Mm -hmm. if the stock market goes down, I can get a little bit of stability out of the bond side. Yeah. Or years like last year, when the stock market went down and the bond market went down, perfect storm. Commodities went up. Uh, so again, another asset class that we haven't even talked about today. No, right. But commodities did well last year, right. and if you owned commodities, maybe it was a little bit of a um, a safe haven or a bellwether in your portfolio. All right. So what kind of what are you talking about when you talk about commodities? Well, uh, commodities would be hard assets, uh, platinum, mm. silver, gold. Mm. Uh, it could be uh, pork bellies. It could be beef prices. It could be uh, maybe oil. Oil, okay. right? Anything that's traded mm-hmm. sure. because it's used and on a day-to-day basis because frozen of, concentrated orange juice. Yeah, because of concentration mm-hmm. of certain markets or whatever, mm-hmm. um, or the availability of something. Prices change, mm-hmm. and so. Commodities did well last year. Yep. Real estate sometimes does well when right. the stock market or the bond mm-hmm. market doesn't do. Sure. So if you want to be truly diversified, you probably need a little bit of all of this. Sure. Right? Yeah. So I'm still playing why would you ever? Why would you ever? Yeah. I think, that, again, it comes down to what you, you mentioned a little bit earlier. It's all about diversification. It's all about your your personal risk tolerance. Mm-hmm. And there may be some instances where you never do it, right? And I know some investors who never invest in the stock market. Okay, It's not their personality. They don't like it. They don't like the volatility associated with it. They want to know that uh, without a doubt, at a certain point in time, they're going to get their money back or have uh, safety of principle. Okay. There are other individuals I know that uh, have no desire whatsoever to invest in, in income producing uh, instruments, like debt instruments, like CDs and bonds, Okay, right? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, my opinion is, is that for any well-diversified portfolio, you need to own a little bit of all of it. Mm, right. Is that difficult to explain to people and maybe not necessarily convince them uh, that why would they ever is a, yeah. is about the diversity and the long-term yield they're going to get out of everything? It's it's difficult to explain to people who have it set in their mind Ooh. one way or the other. Ooh. So the individual who says, I only invest in real estate and that's all I do uh-huh. because that's all I know. Uh-huh. Or I only invest in stocks and that's all I do because that's all I know. Mm-hmm. Or I only invest in CDs because that's all I do and that's all I know. Right. Might be uh, a good time for you to to educate yourself on some different types of things. I think that's a really great point there because sometimes when I'm having the conversation with people and say, have you ever owned real estate? No, I haven't done that. Mm -hmm. Have you ever owned stocks? No, I've never done that. Have you ever owned bonds? No, I haven't. One of the reasons that they come back to me about why they never did is... They didn't want to have to do the education thing. Right. I mean, really. Because mm-hmm. if I'm going to be really good at real estate investing, I'm probably going to have to learn a whole lot. Right. I'm going to have to learn a, about land, and I'm going to have to learn about deeds, and I'm going to have to learn about construction, and I'm going to have to learn about how to deal with landlords and also mm-hmm. tenants. Uh, no, I'm not going to do that. Right. But you're telling me in the long run, it might be good for me to do the education, whether it's about real estate or it's about stocks or bonds. And and after you're educated, then you can make an informed decision. That's really what today's right. show was about, is, is having a, an opportunity to make an informed decision so that when you answer the question of your spouse, why did we do that? Why did you ever do that? Maybe you have an answer now right. from the Advisors Roundtable on Supertalk. The discussion and content expressed by the host of the Advisors Roundtable are intended to be received as news, educational, and entertainment or unit items and are not to be accepted by the listener as legal, investment, insurance, or tax advice. Opinions and views will be expressed by guests of the Advisors Roundtable, and those opinions and views are those of the guests alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Advisors Roundtable host or any of its affiliated radio stations. All information provided is educational in nature and is not intended to be acted upon without first consulting the appropriately licensed professional of your choosing. Before acting upon any information obtained during an Advisors Roundtable broadcast, an individual should understand matters are extremely tax-specific and require advice tailored to individual facts and needs. Certified financial planners Greg Cooley and Andrew Labus are registered representatives of S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated. Securities offered through S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through Ignite Planners, LLC. Ignite Planners LLC is not affiliated with S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated.